Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, but also getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. You can find the link to our playlist in the show notes. Welcome to episode 31. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Hannah Reid, frontwoman of London Grammar. The band are releasing their third studio record next week, entitled California Soil, and, as of this morning, have announced an Australian tour for February and March next year. In today's episode, Hannah and I talk about power dynamics within the band, how America influenced the new record, and misogyny within the music industry. Here we go. Our guest today is the frontwoman for one of the biggest bands to come out of the UK in the last decade, London Grammar. They've played sold-out shows and festivals across the world, won multiple awards, and are about to release their new record, California Soil. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours from London Grammar, Hannah Reid. Hello, Hannah. How are you? Um, I'm good, thank you. It's quite early and actually it looks quite sunny outside today in London, so I'm good. That's good to hear. Um, I, I do appreciate you speaking to us this early. I know it is early morning over there, so um, thank you very much for this. Oh, no, not, not at all. I'm sure it's kind of late for you. It's not too bad, thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, the new record, California Soil, is out next week and is the, the third in the band's catalogue. While still very much a, a London Grammar record, it does appear that sonically you guys um, have really kind of pushed some new boundaries in in terms of different sounds and um, different textures with the musicality of the record. How important was it for you to be trying new things musically this time around? Um, it was, it was turned out to be very important. I think that this album was quite um, reactionary and stream of consciousness. And we ended up um, because we, we made most of it ourselves, just the three of us, um, other people only got involved very, very late on in the process as kind of ex- experiments, really. But because it was just the three of us, we kind of felt like safe to experiment and do things that we maybe otherwise wouldn't have done, um, which was really cool. It was like going back to our roots in a way. <laughs> Nice. The record was recorded in a little bit of a, a home studio, wasn't it? I saw it um, being referred to as like a Narnia-style room of one of the band members' homes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. It was it was Dan's loft studio, which like you had you accessed through his bedroom wardrobe. It was the weird. <laughs> weirdest thing when he like showed me upstairs and it was like the whole thing was like a surprise and I was like this is very 
very totally quintessential Daniel Rothman to have that kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's very cool I can I can imagine it's kind of weird when he first takes you up there and is showing you around well it was also so. his wardrobe was like a mirrored wardrobe so it was like a sliding door it was like a sliding <laughs> it was really funny it was hilarious that's very, very cool. I'm very envious of um, a hidden loft recording studio <laughs> um, for for this record. I believe there was um, a bit of a conversation with yourself and Dan and Dot, the, the two other guys from London Grammar, where you discussed um, uh, kind of taking the lead a little bit more and having, um, I guess, more of not necessarily a feature, but kind of making your presence a little bit more known and you coming to the forefront a little bit more just to be able to continue going on with the band. Um, how important do you think the conversation was before making this third record? Um, it was pretty important. Yeah. For a couple of reasons. I, I, I think actually all three of us sometimes in the music industry have been too nice and um, I felt like part of our problem was is that we were so democratic as a band all the time or were trying to be that actually it sometimes kind of leaves room for other people to make themselves the leaders, basically. Yeah. And that's just a natural part of human nature. You know, there'll always be those characters around. And so I kind of said to them, I was like, I think that we're too nice. Like we, we need to just, if we're going to be a band that has longevity, I think that people need to perceive that there is a leader, um, which there is, I am in lots of ways. There are loads of parts of the band that obviously are kind of democratic and are obviously all shared, but mm. I think bands who have strong leaders have, have longevity. Yeah, of course. I think um, one of the tracks from the album, Lose Your Head, is about power and, and control in different types of relationships. And um, as, as you just mentioned, in the early days when, when you guys were starting out and you're quite young, you were quite accommodating. And I think, um, I think in one interview you might have uh, referred to it as being um, typically British. <laughs> so so polite and <laughs> have you found now after those two records and obviously that conversation as well that you've uh, found more confidence in terms of using your power and control and um, I guess being able to um, not necessarily have your say in that sense but but put forward the, the things you want to do and how you want them done yeah like like definitely. And I, I think that's also turning 30 as well as helped. I feel like when you're young, <laughs> when, I, when I watched like someone like, you know, Taylor Swift, you know, her documentary um, or documentaries, you know, I see that she's had the same battles. And I think young, sometimes I think young male artists have the same battle, I'm sure. And then it's about having confidence in what you want. I think some people get their sooner maybe um you've got to have quite a thick skin in the music industry you know it is a little bit of a doggy dog world um a bit of a cowboy industry i think at times <laughs> uh, 
and, and yeah, you kind of have to have a thick skin and um, know what you want. Do you think it um, has been easier in your experience so far, like with the band within the industry that, that um, men have had it easier in terms of maybe being taken more seriously or, or like the validity of themselves as a musician compared to yourself or, or compared to other females? Yeah. Um, I don't know why. I, I don't know why, like I don't have the answers for any of this, but it just is a boys club. And I don't know why that is. And I do really think it is changing. Um, but in both the business side of things, definitely in the world of songwriting and production, um, it is a boys club. And I, I don't, I, I don't know what I, I, I don't know why that happens, but I definitely know that as a woman, I felt like I felt various things being a female. I started off like I, I'm a songwriter. That's what I do by, by trade. I, you know, I didn't, it is true. I didn't grow up, um, getting the latest computer and, um, having garage band and, you know, learning how to play loads of different synths. Like I was a songwriter. I'm an emotional person. And, um, I taught myself how to play the piano, taught myself how to play the guitar really badly. Um, <laughs> and the first thing that I felt was that, um, being a female and being that person, being a songwriter, it was like my opinion wasn't valid because I wasn't um, using logic or like, you know, I wasn't really nerdy on the synths and like knew about all these different things. I, I learned all that, that stuff over the last 10 years. Um, and I do obviously play synths and, and can play lots of things by ear and I do know what I want and I understand production and I, I now can use logic um, a bit, you know, if I, if I want to, but it was like, first of all, being a female and being the type of musician I was meant that I wasn't really a musician. And I, it was like, I had to prove myself all the time. Um, so that was kind of strange. And then what was really interesting is then there were just moments where I felt like. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
when I then was learning and when I said, you know, if I would say things like, oh, I don't like that delay on my voice. I don't like, um, I don't like that synth with, you know, the side chain that it has on it or something like, um, there are some people that then reacted quite badly to that. It was like, you're kind of, you can see, you can just sense that it kind of bothers them. And I, I, I don't know, it's just such a strange thing that kind of happened. Um, I couldn't really make sense of it for a long time. I was like, is it just me or, and then obviously eventually I'd have had other conversations with lots of women in the music industry who just said that they had the same thing. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a bit of a battle at times for sure. Yeah. I, I saw one article where um, I believe you mentioned a sound tech who at a show um, you could tell that there was, too much bass in, in the song or in the, you know, in the mix and, and tried to let them know and they disagreed. And then other people highlighted the same fact and, and yeah, yeah. Slightly. Scenario is that they actually kind of explained to me basically what bass was and why it had to be really loud. So the people in the back of the room could hear. Oh God. It was, it was, it was just so, patronizing and I remember just thinking I just know that they would not speak to Dan and Dot in this way um yeah I I think what's what's interesting about that you know I have no doubt that you know some of those types of men are wonderful husbands and fathers and I don't actually believe that they're bad people at all I think it's just when you a step into a working environment that is so heavily biased one way I think I just think that people don't realize their own brains and what they're doing and um yeah Uh, yeah the album um as mentioned before is delving into different sounds and different sonic landscapes the track how does it feel is is one of the poppier tracks that we've we've had from London Grammar and I heard that the song kind of started as a bit of an experiment and then, and then grew from there. Can you, um, can you tell us how the experiment began? Um, so yeah, that was, that was like one of the last things that we did. So we kind of had the album and then, um, I basically went and wrote a song with Steve Mack, who is like, he's one of the biggest songwriters in the, in the world really. And I was quite scared because historically I kind of definitely had a few writing sessions that I've absolutely hated. Um, but our manager was like, look, you've made such a great album. And he was like, it's just about experimentation. Just enjoy it. Just see if you enjoy it. And, um, and I really did. (laughs) I really did. And it was kind of interesting. I learned so much um, from the brief time that I spent working with Steve. He was very lovely to work with. I maybe had my own preconceptions about maybe what it would be like, but he was um, he was really lovely to work with and very respectful. And um, yeah, I had such a great time. And then... 
I, I just loved the song. <laughs> like I was definitely really nervous about it before it came out. And, um, I was the most nervous about that song, but I just feel like the alternative side of Californian soil I do is my favorite alternative music that we've ever made. And so I kind of felt like, well, as long as we have that, then I want to see, you know, I love, I grew up listening to so much pop music. I love pop music. I love pop songs. And um, yeah, I just wanted to see how it would go down really. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's very fair. Um, The, the record does do a very good job of balancing kind of everything. There's, there's like a little bit of pop. There's alternative, as you said, Um, there's one or two that have like a, um, almost like a, like an earthy kind of texture or tone to it, um, if that makes sense. But it is it is incredibly balanced throughout, so congratulations on, on doing such a good job with it. Thanks. The record is bookended by references to um, America. It starts with the, the title track of Californian Soil and, and the record closes with a track entitled America. What was the, the fascination with the US or, um, or the interest in, in America? I think I think obviously, you know, I think it's been very difficult to not just absorb as as an artist, I think just absorb like everything that's gone on there for a start. Um, But also I just, I grew up, um, I've spoken about this a a fair bit. I, I grew up consuming a lot of American culture. So um, all of the big Hollywood movies, all of the big Hollywood pop stars. Like I was literally there living and breathing it. Like I, I just loved all of that stuff. But then when we toured America, I, I did see some of the worst poverty I've ever seen. And, um, I just never put two and two together. Like I didn't expect, I didn't expect that to be the case from, I guess the culture that I had kind of absorbed growing up, which is just like, I guess very common of probably being a white middle-class person consuming all of that, you know, skewed culture, I guess. And so I, I, I became really interested in that and it was quite eye-opening. I saw some really horrible things, to be honest, actually, in America. Um, It's such a beautiful place and it has so much stuff about it that is obviously absolutely amazing and the people there are lovely, but just it's, I don't know, it's infrastructure, I guess. But then that, you know... I'm also very inspired by landscapes and nature as nerdy as that sounds. And, and it has some of the most beautiful landscape and nature as well. So it's that, it's that kind of double-sided thing that I'm interested in. And I think I just ended up writing about it. Yeah, that's very fair. I think America um, does have a, like a bit of a juxtaposition to it in terms of, well, exactly what you said, both the, the very ugly side of it, which I, I feel like we see a lot of in the news, but then there's a lot of gorgeous things about it as well yeah yeah totally and like some of the most friendly people as well that I've ever met yes agreed (laughs) um Hannah before we go this morning uh we would usually ask our guest what they're currently listening to is is there an album out at the moment that you've got on high rotation or that you're you're loving at the moment um 
Yes, there are a few actually. Okay. I'm going to talk about my absolute favorite. Um, just because some people still don't know who she is and it really, really annoys me. Um, but Casey Musgraves, <laughs> Golden Hour. Yeah. That has probably become one of my all-time favorite albums. And then um, this week I've been listening to Arlo Parks, uh, Collapsed in Sunbeams. Fantastic record. Very, very good record. It's really, really, <laughs> really like, gr- like grown on me. So... I, I thought it was amazing when I first heard it, but it's like really growing on me now in like quite a profound way. Like I'm sure I'll listen to that album a lot. Um, I've started listening to um, Phoebe Bridges as well. Uh, Punisher is a fantastic record as well. I'm not sure if that's the one you are. Um, well, actually both of her records are great. So <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Fantastic choices. All three very solid choices. Yeah. Well, do you know what? I've only just, starting to listen to music again I kind of went through a bit of a weird phase like I wasn't listening to that much music six months ago like I think just the world was in such a weird place and um sometimes as well if I'm writing music I actually don't listen to a lot of other music so I'm kind of just getting back into like listening to loads of other stuff again no I can um I can very much understand that (laughs) um that's very fair. Hannah, thank you so much for your time this morning. I do very much appreciate it. And um, thank you for, for being on the podcast. Okay. Thank you so much. And that's our show. A massive thank you to Hannah Reed and London Grammar. Their third record, Californian Soil, is out next week. We've left links in the show notes if you'd like to pre-order the record or buy a ticket to their tour next year. We also want to give a huge shout out to Stacey at Daydream Nation for helping out with today's interview. You can find a link to our Spotify playlist in the show notes where you'll be able to listen to all of our previous guests' picks. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Thursday and Friday morning with guest playlists streaming on Spotify at the same time. You can follow the playlist profile on Spotify and you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. Until next week. Cheers. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.